Amen. Good morning and welcome to Walk Fan. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Praise God. Again, we want to welcome everyone that's sharing fellowship with us this morning. Those of you that are here in house, in person, and those of you that are streaming via your various devices, you're all welcome. And I pray that something that God is going to say this morning will establish you, bless you, and cause you to be triumphant in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. God really indeed is so good. Amen. And we bless God for his goodness, for his tender mercies, for his loving kindness towards us in Jesus' name. You know, our vision statement here is building strong families and serving global communities. And for the last two Sundays, I was out there along with the team serving global communities. Uh, the upper Sunday, uh, we commissioned 97 students from a T3 training school in Freetown, Syria alone. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. They are commissioned as workplace ministers to, to, to totally devastate the kingdom of darkness and enthrone Jesus as the Lord of lords and king of kings over Syria alone. It's exciting. And of course, last Sunday, last Sunday, oh man, this was so exciting. Last Sunday, I was in the most promising country in West Africa. <laughs> A country where everything works. Lights come on, water flow, good government in place. Government officials understand us as public servants. If they lie, they resign. Not in some other nations where when they lie, they promote them. Uh, but truly, truly, really, uh, this was by the introduction of Pastor Nee. Uh, he introduced us to a young man there in 2018 who has since joined the tribe, Amen. the family of God here at Walkfan. And so last weekend, we did a leadership training for them. And then on Sunday, we planted a brand new church in Accra, Ghana. Brand new church. It's called the Family Alive Ministries. Now, I'm going to tell you, in all of my years of ministry, Sam Shomi will tell you this, we were together. In fact, Sam almost didn't come back. He wanted to remain in Accra. So, so his wife needed to come and thank me for bringing him back. <laughs> no, but, but seriously, if I've ever seen a, 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 a group of promising human beings, these were these guys. They are on point, hungry for God, and totally, completely just innocent. Uh, their, their, their vision statement for the ministry, which we did not talk about it, I just found out when I, when I got there, is restoring God's kingdom agenda to the family, influencing the world. Restoring God's kingdom agenda to the family and influencing the world. Now, you can put that side by side with work from vision. It's the same. Now, we never talked about it. And this morning, the young man preached on establishing that vision because I watched it. I tuned in to watch it just to make sure uh, what we planted there is uh, the guys, they're, they're, they're on point and doing what they should be doing. Unbelievable. So I'm excited for that. And for those of you that's listened to me, uh, either you're here or you 
in any other part of the world, if you want to go to a church in Accra, Ghana, I'm recommending strongly Family Alive Ministries. Pastor by Pastor Roderick in Accra, Ghana. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. Are you guys ready for the word this morning? Yes. Let me see how hungry you guys are compared to where I just left last week. <laughs> because for those guys, man... This 30, 35 minutes sermonette will not do it. <laughs> Those guys, where right, they want you to give them the full dose of the word of God. Amen. So go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's good to see everyone. I really, really, I just want to thank all of you guys that gave towards that, this last ministry trip. I want to thank you. And for those of you that prayed, I thank you as well. And for those of you that kept the house while I was gone, I also thank you. Thank you so much. It's a collaborative effort of all of us doing our part that gets to move this agenda forward. Amen? And so I appreciate every single one of you. Amen. First Corinthians 13, verse 1, 2, 3, and verse 13. And this morning, I'm continuing on the series we started weeks ago. And I'm going to just take this subtitle, Understanding Agape Love. <clears throat> Understanding Agape Love. So First Corinthians 13. If I can speak in the tongues of men... And even of angels. Now, how many of you know that's, that would be significant? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. But have not love that reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, such as inspired by God's love for and in us. I am only a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. Wow. Really? And if I have prophetic powers... The gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose and understand all the secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge. And if I have sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains but have not love, God's love in me, I'm nothing. Wow, look at what this is. I didn't say this. Amplify said it, a useless nobody. Useless nobody. Useless is bad enough. And now you're not combined with nobody. You are in real bad shape. Verse 3, even if I dole out all that I have to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned in order that I may glory, but have not love, God's love in me, I gain nothing. Now, verse 13. Thank you. And so, faith, hope, love, abide. Now, I thank God for the Amplified because now it defines both of those, all of those words for us. Faith is defined as conviction and belief, respecting man's relation to God and divine things. Hope, defined as joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. And love is defined as true affection for God and man. Growing out of God's love for and in us. Now that is very, very important. I cannot have love for God or for man if I don't first appreciate and embrace God's love for me. That's what I'm saying. So let me say that again. Love, true affection for God and man, growing out of God's love for and in us. Now, look at what Paul says, how he ended this chapter. This is the last verse of this chapter. These three, 
What three? Faith, hope, and love. Of these three, he says, but the greatest of this is love. My friends, this is the reason for you, which you and I must truly come to grip with what God has been, been trying to say to us for weeks now. How that we understand that Jesus is the master gardener and is planting his plants and his crops. And out of this crop is looking for a harvest, fruit to come forth. And that fruit is God's love, character. I said to you last, last time I spoke to you that the greatest fraud as defined by one man, I don't know who, did, who, who made that definition. He said the greatest fraud on earth is religion without character. He said a man or a woman without character is recklessly alive. Think about that. The greatest fraud in all of the earth is religion without character or translated Bangakimala version, religion without love. One and the same. Amen. So this morning, let, let me talk to us about understanding agape love. Now, there are four Greek words for love with very distinct meanings. And these words may have caused a little confusion or misunderstanding on how we place or understand what God's love, the agape love, is all about. The first one and most common is eros. Eros. Eros described for me and you sexual or sensual love. Now, the reason it's important for us to break this down, to have clarity on this, is because of the way we use that word love. So my wife would say to you about her pet or about the dog that she used to have, I love Oscar. That's a dog. Can you imagine that? I love Oscar. And then she said to you in the next book, I love bank. <laughs> you see that? She says she does. She does. So, so can you imagine the confusion? I love Oscar, a four-legged animal. I love bank, a two-legged man. <laughs> How do you make that distinction? And then some of us will say, I love pizza. And you can show, many of us, I'm looking at all of us now. Yeah, there, there's pizza evidence now. Because just, yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, seriously. I love my car, I love my school, I love my job, on and on and on. And so if we're not careful, if we don't clearly define what we mean by love, we have a misunderstanding, we are confused. So the New Testament does not use the word eros, per se, the sensual sexual love. However, the Bible does teach that sexual love is a blessing from God as long as it is experienced within the context or boundaries of a marriage. You see that in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4. And of course, outside of this boundary, sensual or sexual love does incredible harm. Amen? Now, it's not rocket science. For me and you to understand that arrows can only take you so long. All you have to do is go to Hollywood. Romantic love, sensual love. They see one another, bam, the flames are kindled. They go to the altar, they are married. And after a little while, that marriage disintegrates. So arrows will only carry you so far. You need to settle that. And if you are married, 
You already know that. If your spouse just gains a little 20 pounds weight, you are looking at legal territory for some of us. Why? Because you married him or her for arrows. And when her appearance or his appearance begins to change, arrows is but for a fleeting moment. It's gone. That's why you hear people say, I, I, I fell in love, and then I, I fell out of love. It's a falling thing. <laughs> the kind of love God is talking about is not arrows. Amen? Amen? So that's number one, arrows. The second one is toge. Now, of course, I'm not Greek. Maybe my pronunciation may not be correct. It's spelled S-T-O-R-G-E. Storge. Okay? The Bible used this word twice in a negative sense to describe evil people who are without natural affections. Now, but I'm not saying storge is evil. No. Storge is the love that exists in a family between parents and children and among siblings. I love my brother, I love my sister, I love my father, I love my mother, we love one another. So when you use that language like that in that con context, you are talking about storge. Storge. Now, I'm sharing all of this because you need to understand the, the, the importance of each of these words and their limitations. Now, a third word in the Greek that's used to describe love is the word phileo. That's the word from which the term Philanthropy comes from. Philanthropy. When I say philanthropist, immediately your, you know, the, the, flag, I mean, the, the signals come on. You begin to remember all these men and women who gives, I mean, incredibly to various foundations and various works all across the world. Bill Gates is one. Um, who else? Many of them like that, that just gives. I mean, they have foundations, they, they bless humanity. Okay? Uh, this love describes brotherly love. This is the kind of love that develops between us and those who have a natural affinity for. And the truth of the matter is, filio, like storge and eros, is limited over the long haul. Now, before I leave uh, filio, I was talking to uh, someone the other day, actually, Joseph Andrew, uh, I was, me and Joseph were exchanging messages. And we talked about, the, uh, about these various people who give very consistently, even corporations in America, they have, they have what they call social, social responsibility, where they give 10% of their earnings to various causes all over the world. And so the discussion is, okay, these guys that do this, Either they are a corporation or they are an individual or a family. These people who do this on a regular basis, what are they operating on? Is it God's love? Is it man's love? Uh, how does God see that? Like the Red Cross, for instance. Uh, they, they walk all over the world doing humanity good. And the question is, how do we place them? Then another question that came to me was, okay, I know a Muslim or someone that's not a Christian, and they are kind, they are loving, they, uh, they do all kinds, all kinds of things that will definitely, uh, that we can definitely say, these are good works, these are good things that they're doing. How do you place all of that? Are they operating agape love, or arrows, or storge, or phileo? The answer is simply phileo. 
if they are not born again. Now, just to answer the question directly, whatever these institutions, organizations, or persons are doing, God blesses it. For instance, let me give you an example. Those that's feeding impoverished, farming, reading kids in Africa or India. These are things that the church should be doing that we are not able to do or we are limited in ability to do. So if somebody steps in and does it, God is not going to say, oh, you are cursed for doing that. No! No. They are performing a very important function, essential function for which the church has been charged to do but unable to do due to various limitations and reasons. I'm not making reasons for the church. I'm just telling you what the reality is. So the point I'm making is, when these organizations are doing these things, they are fulfilling a very important function, and God blesses that function. Why do I know? How do I know that? The Bible says God reigns on the just and the unjust. Pure and simple. God, the Bible says, does not desire or wish that any should perish, but that all should come to the saving knowledge of his son. So whether the church is doing it, or a John Doe organization is doing it, as far as God is concerned, keep on doing it. It's good. Now, this is where we draw the line. The person doing the work, if at the end do not come to become born again, they still face the same fate as all the other unbelievers. Whatever good deeds I do, do not earn me the, 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 uh, the, the capacity to say, I'm going to heaven. You need to understand that. Ah, this is very complex. And I say it's complex because I can give you an example in the scriptures. However, we must also understand that God reserves the right. That while those guys are doing what they're doing, their eyes will open to acknowledging the God of heaven, the God of the universe, and through the whole process, become born again. Case and point, Acts chapter 10. Cornelius, hallelujah. The Bible said they gave arms, devoured, helped the Jews, and his giving and all the things he did became a memorial to God. Now notice, even though it became a memorial to God, he did not, God did not grant him automatic salvation. God now rose up a man, Peter, to go and find Cornelius and share the message of God's grace to him. And Cornelius now received it. Now, if when Paul and Peter shared the message, Cornelius said, no, I don't believe, he will sit down and go to hell. But Peter shared the message, he received it, and became born again. Amen? Amen. So I just want to put that in perspective for us so we understand how these things work. Now, having said all of that, Eros, Storge, Philio, they all have limitation. Amen? They all have limitation. They are limited. Like I said earlier, if your spouse gets older, can do for you what they used to do when they were younger? Do you know now that we're finding out that most divorces now is happening in the grace when I say grace, people that have been married over 25 years. Hello? 
It used to be if you just manage the first three years, you're off the endangered list. <laughs> <laughs> then, then if you, then if you, if you, if you marriage over ten years, ah, ten years, ah, you got it down, because by now you've trained one another very well. You, you exactly, you know exactly what's going on. No, we are finding out now that the highest divorce rate is twenty-five and above years of marriage. And when you think about it, you can readily see the problem. You see the reason why, because. In those years, prior to 25 years, you have kids, you have chores, you're co-parenting your kids, you have things you do together for the kids, and then the kids grow up, they're out of the house, you have empty nester that we just saw with COVID-19, husband and wife sitting in the house together 24 hours a day, glory to God, God, what I need to deserve this? <laughs> How do I stay in the same room with this man or woman for 24 hours? That is trouble in the making. Because now, you're empty nester. The kids can't, you can't use the kids as a buffer any longer. It's just you and her, or him and you, over. And all of a sudden, the issues that you never dealt with, that you glossed over, that you buried under the carpet, those issues are looking at you 24-7. And after a while, if you are not grounded in the word of God and trust the spirit of, of God to help you, you're going to say, hey, I can't take this anymore. To your tent, O Israel. You pack your bags and go. You whole territory. That's why we need, to, we, need, we, need to, we need to be diligent to study the word of God, embrace the word of God, and live out the word of God by the power of, of his spirit. That's the only thing that's going to save any of us. Amen? So, arrows falter over time. Stargate love falters when your friends are constantly insensitive to your deepest needs. And of course, filio is fickle. As long as I'm getting some from you, it's fine. But the moment I stop getting some from you, I start looking elsewhere. Amen. All you have to do is look at these political, political, political donors. You are giving to the Democratic Party. The moment they don't say, stands to your tune, you, you change who you give to. Or, or Republican, either way. So they're always tit for tat, okay? I'm going to give you as long as you scratch my back. Now, but God says love is not just a matter of sensual feeling. It's not a matter of sibling uh, loving one another. It's not a matter of brotherly love. From God's perspective, most of what God says to me and you about love is a matter of choice. Woo! I need to pause there for a minute. Eros, storge, filio is a matter of feelings. How you feel. But when it comes to agape, agape has little or nothing to do about how you feel. This is where people are really getting this all mixed up. So I wake up this morning, I don't feel hot and fuzzy about my wife as I did yesterday. And then the enemy says to me, you're no longer in love. No. Or vice versa. God's agape love is not dependent on how you feel. It's always 100% a matter of choice. It's a decision you make. And once you make that decision and make that choice, the feelings will follow ultimately. Don't ever allow yourself to be deceived 
on the basis of how you feel. Because feelings will let you down. Feelings are here today and gone tomorrow. Do you remember the first day you went to the dealership and brought that brand new TR rubber car? I mean, you were, you were peeling off the rubber, off the seats. I mean, the thing was so brand new, you had to peel it all off. You smell the leather. Ah, man, this thing smells good. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You loved the car. You enjoyed it. Three years later, are you still smelling it? <laughs> no, you're smelling a new one. The new one you want to go and get. <laughs> no. That's really for you. You've got to be careful. I thought God is trying to teach you and I. Because agape is the God kind of love that God speaks of the most throughout the scriptures. Agape has nothing to do with romance or natural affection or sentiment. It is not dependent on physical attractiveness or personality. And you ought to be glad about that. Because if that was not the case, many of us will make it. Agape is a decision that commits itself to the well-being of another, regardless of the reaction of the one being loved. Look at God. God commits to us. And even though he commits to us, many of us still rebel and revolt against his commitment. Does he stop loving us? No. No, he doesn't. Agape never changes. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That will never change. He will never say, oh, you know what? I'm going to give my, my son for IBK, but not for bank. I'm going to give my son uh, for Sister Shade, but not for Mokbe. No, God does not say that. Agape never changes. David said it very well in Psalms 52 verse 8. He said, I'm like the olive plant in the house of God. He said, I'm trusting in the unfailing love of God forever. Oh, my God. I am trusting in the unfailing love of God forever. Why? How can he say that? Because he knows that God's love does not change. Agape keeps giving, never demanding anything in return. It keeps giving. And I'm saying this this morning because for all of our young people that's going to get married in the future, you need to have agape down. Because if you understand that, some of the things that happen in our relationships, you at least have a, uh, a, a, you have a cover ahead of it. You understand that these are potential things you need to watch out for. Agape can be given to the unlovable and to the unappealing. That is us. Where we are yet God hate us. He loved us. Agape continues to love when rejected. Oh my goodness. Do we have to talk about that? The Bible says Jesus came to his own and his own they did not receive him. They didn't receive him. But he still came. He still gave his life. He still did it. Even though he was rejected. Agape gives. I hear this now. This is huge. Agape gives because it wants to. Agape gives because it wants to. It is not compelled to do so. This is what God is looking for in you and I. When Jesus is looking for fruit, 
It's not looking for eros, storge, phileo. It's looking for agape. Now, those other forms of love, they came out of God. But the point is, it is agape that will be the ironclad proof to the rest of the world that you and I are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because apart from God, you cannot live this out. Naturally, we cannot love like God loved or like God loves. Naturally, we cannot manifest agape. It's not possible. It's not possible. This is why we need to abide in the vine. John chapter 15. This is why we need to abide, commune, be in union together, and live and let Jesus live out his love through us. To the degree that you and I, you and I yield and I surrender to him, this is possible. It is possible. And you and I are left on this earth to continue to grow and develop and manifest forth this incredible love of God. And we know it is possible because Romans 5, 5 tells us that the love of God is already shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So it's there. This is God's DNA. It's in us already. But to the degree that we're willing to yield ourselves, that, to that degree, we can see the manifestation of this truth delivered in our life. Now, <laughs> uh, this is so funny, and Revelation will attest to this. I sent this note for this message to them over two, three weeks ago. And as I was, as I was going through my notes last night, I saw Tam Douglas' name in my notes. But I did not know she was going to be in the service. But here she is now. She's here. And I was saying to my wife, I said, I said you know, this is so funny. Uh, you know, I, I made this note over three weeks ago. And, uh, and I was going to make a reference to her based on what I said to you guys the previous time on her uh, employment at Delta Airlines. And I said, this is kind of awkward. Should I, should I just skip that part of the message? <laughs> you know, but this is what I'm making. All of us have a general revelation of who God is. Everybody, even the unbeliever. If you ask an unbeliever, is there a God? Oh, yes, there's God. Everybody has a general revelation of God. But when you and I become born again, we get a special revelation of who God is. So there's a general revelation and there's a special revelation. Uh, so it is, for instance, in going back to Tam's testimony, this, what I shared with you guys the last time about her employment at Delta Airlines and so forth and so on. Before she became employed at Delta Airlines, she had a general revelation of Delta Airlines, like most of us. If I was to ask you, where's Delta Airlines based? Everybody say, Atlanta, Atlanta. Everybody knows Delta Airlines. Amen? But when she started working for them, she had a special revelation of Delta Airlines. That would be the marked difference between her and us. Us have a general revelation. Delta, they fly to London, they fly to Accra, they fly to Lagos, they fly to Orlando, they fly to New York. We all have a general revelation. But when she became employed there, based on the training they gave her and the, and, and the, and the, and the SOP, the standard operating procedures that she became familiar with, 
all of a sudden, she was transferred from just having a general revelation to having what? A special revelation. Are you following what I'm saying? The same thing with you and I. Back to this love story. We all have a general revelation of love. But if we are to have a special revelation of love, we're going to have to be trained in righteousness. Oh, my God. Give me 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. In other words, what I'm saying to us is, understanding God's agape is not automatic. You are born again. Good. The Bible says, demons believe and they tremble. So you are born again mean jack. It doesn't mean jack. As far as being able to manifest forth the love of God. Look at what is Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. In the Amplified Classic, please. Thank you. Every scripture is God-breathed. Given by life, by, life, by his inspiration. And profitable, do you see this? For instruction. Why do we need to be instructed? We were heathens. Oh my goodness. Why did time need to be trained? She was an ordinary human being now employed by Delta. So Delta cannot just, can, they can't just entrust their resources to her without training her. It would be crazy. So for me and you, as unbelievers, the first thing we must understand is we are now in a new kingdom, in a new paradigm. And therefore, the scriptures is given for what? Instruction. Secondly, reproof. Thirdly, for conviction of sin. Oh, I'm quoting New King James. I forgot I have Amplified here. <laughs> okay, let, let, let me go back to Amplified, okay? Profitable for instruction, for reproof and conviction of sin. Correction of error and discipline in obedience and for training in righteousness. How in the world am I going to know how to live, live a righteous life? How? How am I going to know it? Will my father teach me or my mother? My father and mother are limited by the light they that they have. They do the best they can. But they are limited by their own light that they have. Therefore, only God can teach me how to live his kind of life. And this is the reason for you and I, we must be students of the word. No, no amen. I, no, I didn't think so. Amen. I didn't think so. I didn't think so. I didn't think so. If I'm giving them a concert, a ticket for concerts, you, you guys will run me over. The Berlin Christians just don't hear a message from the pulpit. They went back home and searched it out. That's what Abigail Andrews do. Every message that's come out of this pulpit, Abigail will go back home, listen to it, play it over, search the scriptures. And then you know what she does? She sits her father down. Dad, in case you didn't hear it, let, let me reteach it back to you. Amen. That's what we need. Folks, I'm telling you, nothing else is going to work except you and I learn to, 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 to manifest the love of God. That's where the special revelation comes in. Now, I'm going to close with this. Because Jesus said something, John 15, 16, that still baffles me till this moment. 
Let's read John 15, 16. John 15, 16. You can give it to me in any translation you want. <laughs> any translation you want. John 15, 16. John 15, 16. Thank you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. What is on Jesus' mind? Thank you. Thank you. Fruit. 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 If you knock the door in heaven right now, Jesus, what are you thinking? You say, fruit. Translated character. Translation, love. That's what's on his mind. And that your fruit should remain. That you, nah, your fruit should remain, comma. Look at the last part of this verse. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you, he may give you. Wow. This is the key to answer prayer. <sighs> Pastor Nee, this is the key to answer prayer. Agape. Now I see why Paul says, faith walketh through love. Let me give you a few examples. We touched on this a little bit last time. Let's go back to 2 Kings chapter 4. Let's look at this Shonamite woman again. 2 Kings 4, verse 8 through 17. I may not read all of it, but let me just. Shonamite woman. Ah, thank you. Night happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman. And she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. That must mean the woman cooks well. <laughs> he just didn't eat at the first day and then come back again. He ate there once, and as often as he could, he turned back in there and ate again. Wow. All right. Verse 9. <laughs> and she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please, let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there, a table and a chair, and a lampstand so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn it there. Now, I don't want to miss the difference between verse 9 and verse 10. This is huge. So this is a notable woman who's demonstrating the love of God in hospitality and kindness. Now, as you'll find out in a minute, this woman and her husband are old and they have no kids, no children. So you have to perceive, have they asked God for a child up to this time? Would you imagine that they did? Because in that culture, to not have a child is a serious thing. So I imagine that up to this time, they had been praying and believing God for a child. And the point I'm trying to make to you, your prayer outside of God's love and kindness and hospitality will never bring forth a manifestation. You are one hospitable act away from the manifestation you are trusting God for. Pray, 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 pray. You finish praying, you go and curse your wife. You finish praying, you go and curse your husband. You finish praying, you go and curse your son, your daughter, or something. And you are thinking that that prayer hits the ceiling? 
faith, you're praying. Work it through what? Love. So where love is absent in that equation, the answer to your prayer is still missing. So this man and woman who had believed God for, for a child for years, look at what she did. She persuaded. Persuaded means the man didn't want to eat. Elisha was not hungry. But she persuaded him. Ah, oh, man of God, come in here. Let me be a blessing to you, please. Let me refresh you. Let me give. There are some of you here that's trying to persuade me to, to, to give me food. I thank God for you. <laughs> yes, red, red. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Watch what she did. Because some of you are already hospitable, and I thank God for you. But don't miss this principle. She was hospitable in already cooking for him for a while. I don't know how long. The Bible didn't say how long, but for a while. Next, her manifestation has not come. What did she do? She escalated it. She escalated her kindness and her hospitality. I will not only offer you food, I'll build you a room. Oh my God. I will not just build you a room, I'll furnish it. The lamp, the bed, everything you need will be in this room. Because you know what? I'm after something. Some of you are already hospitable. And you've been doing that and doing that. But God is saying to you this morning, upgrade. Escalate. That's what she did. She went to her husband and said, listen, these guys have been passing by. We've been giving food. Yeah, they love the food. They, they keep on coming. But let's, let's improve on that. Listen to me. The world in which you live in is constantly improving. I bought a phone two months ago. In two months, they're going to upgrade it. I have a, what do you call it? iPhone 12 Pro Max. In October, they're going to come up with iPhone 13 Pro Max. If the world has enough things to upgrade, to escalate, what is wrong with us as children of God? We pack in the same place, doing the same thing for 25 years and looking for a different result. No, escalate, upgrade, improve. That's what she did. At that point, the man of God could not take it any longer. Verse 11. And it happened one day that they came there and he turned into the upper room and laid down there. When the man was sleeping, he said, my God, this pillow looks better, feels better. Dear God in heaven. Woo, look at this mattress. This is better than beauty rest. This is better than the best mattress they ever made. My God. Woo! And an inspiration came to him. Verse 12. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, Notice, the man of God didn't respond until he used the facility. Matthew 11 says, He that receives a righteous man, in the name of a righteous man, shall receive a righteous man's reward. He that receives a prophet, in the name of a prophet, shall receive a prophet's reward. The man laid down. He must have sweet dreams that night. Ah, ah, sweet, sleep can be this sweet? How did this happen? He called the servant. Call this Shunadam woman. Bring her here. When he had called her, she stood before him. Next verse. Next verse. <laughs> and he said to him, Say now to her, Look, 
you have been concerned for us with all this care. Did you see that? That's love. That's agape. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king? Because I have, I have, I have influence. Or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. In other words, I'm self-sufficient. Oh, hallelujah. Hey, I'm self-sufficient. So he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son. And her husband is old. The husband by now is on Medicare. <laughs> like me. <laughs> <laughs> her husband at this time needs sales. <laughs> okay? <laughs> you got a picture? The man needs a lot of help. <laughs> but you know, no matter what, how much help you need, God has the help. <laughs> Verse 15. Verse 15. I don't know why they said the husband is old. They didn't say about the, anything about the woman. I don't know why they, why they pick up the man. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So he said, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. Notice, the prophet didn't ask her any longer, what do you need? He just made a proclamation. Because he who receives the prophet, in the name of the prophet, shall receive the prophet's reward. He just declared, by this time next year, you, madam, you embrace his son. And he said, and she said, what? No, my Lord. Man of God, don't lie to your maid servant because she cannot believe beyond her. But, hallelujah, the woman conceived and bore his son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. What are you looking for today? What is the manifestation you're looking for? What are you looking for God to deliver you from? Because in Genesis chapter 19, verses 1 to 3, we see a similar situation. Give it to me very quickly. Genesis 19, because in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Genesis chapter 19, verses 1, 2, 3. Good. Now, the two angels came to Sodom in the evening. And we know why they came. They came to destroy the place. And Lord was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lord saw them, he rose to meet them and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. Verse 2. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go your way. And they said, no, but we will spend the night in the open square. Verse 3. But he insisted strongly. Ah, I don't know if you missed this connection. The woman, the Shunammite woman, persuaded the prophet. The prophet first said, no, ah, I'm not hungry. Everything is fine. Don't worry. She persuaded him, which means she insisted. This blessing in my hand, I must, I must confide on you. Same thing here. This angel said, no, we're fine. We, 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 we're going to sleep on open square. Ah, Lord said, for where? No way. 
The Bible says he insisted strongly. Insist would have been one thing. Strongly to, def, to, to, to define that insistence. You are not going to pass here and don't bless me. You, 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 you are, I'm commanding you, you are coming to my house. They turn in and enter this house. Oh my goodness. Listen, folks, even Jesus in Luke 24, on the road to Emmaus, if you read the story, the Bible says it seemed as if it was going to pass by. And those disciples said, no, 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 stay with us. There's an element in which this hospitality, me and you, because it's the DNA of God, we have to be insistent. Don't be careless with it. This is the manifestation you're looking for. Then he made them a feast and baked an unleavened cake and they ate. We know the rest of the story. The entire city was destroyed, except Lot. The deliverance you're looking for, the breakthrough you are looking for is one act of kindness away. Yeah. Oh, I can go on because there are so many of them. For the single ladies here, let me just give you one. One last one, and I'll close. How about Rebecca in Genesis 24? Eligible spinster who was ready to be married. And there was no husband in sight. On to Genesis 24. When Abraham sent his servant to go and fetch a wife for Isaac. And the man got to the well. And got on his knees, I suppose, and prayed a simple prayer. God, whoever appears and offers drink to me and my camels, let that person be the one you've chosen for your servant. And the Bible said, no sooner had he finished praying, Rebecca appeared. But she just didn't appear. She appeared with kindness and industry. She fetched water for the cameras. And through her kindness and industry, she was selected to be the wife of Isaac. Young ladies, and those of you that's watching me on TV, I'm telling you the key to your husband. Don't act like a mean crocodile. No, don't do that. <laughs> Folks, this didn't work. This is work. This didn't work. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Many of you know Pastor Mike Adebamo in Nigeria. Do you know where he found his wife? His car broke down on the road in Lagos. And Lagos is not the place where you want your car to break down. <laughs> oh, not Lagos. If your car needs to break down, if your car wants to break down, let it break down in Accra, not Lagos. <laughs> and as he was looking for help, Yemi, who he later married, was the one that came out and helped him change tire. Yes! Yes! As, I, I, don't know what, I don't know how she was doing it. Maybe she was dancing what she was doing. I don't know how she was doing <laughs> As the lady was doing ah, the professor looked, he adjusted his glasses. I said, well, I mean, which one is this? Long story short, they are married. Three beautiful children. 
still living together for over 20 something years. In fact, and I'm going to close with this. This is the last, last closing. <laughs> you see that man sitting over there? Who went? Where are them who went? Wave. You see the person sitting next to her? To him? Shade? Wave. Shade, wave. I can't see your hand. Good. You know how they follow each other? Let me tell you the story today. You give up for this story. <laughs> His car broke down. And she came to help. I'm telling you. They are there. Ask them. And they are married. See today. I'm saying all of this for you to understand that these kingdom principles are playing out before our eyes. In everyday, ordinary life. This man, take away. This, man, this is what I want you to take away. In John 12, 24, Jesus said, Except a corn of wheat falls into the ground and die, it abides alone. He said, but when it dies, John 12, 24, he said, except a corn of wheat falls into the ground and abides, except a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But when it dies, it brings up much fruit. So from right there in John 12, Jesus is looking at fruit. But this is what I want you, I want you to take away as believers. The point of you and I living in community. Jesus said, if the corn of wood does not die, it abides alone, singular. But when it dies, it brings forth much fruit. There's plurality. There's community. That's why Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. Romans chapter 8. One is too small a number to achieve significance. So I want to encourage you today. Apart from believing God to manifest forth agape in your life, also begin to develop community around you. Husband and wife, husband and wife, and a few core of friends that you trust, that you can share with, live among, and be accountable to, because iron sharpens iron. And so, Father, we want to thank you for this word today. We bless your name, Lord God, for teaching us agape. Thank you, Lord, that your word will not fall to the ground. Rather, God, that everything you've spoken, the power of your spirit, will water it and cause it to bring forth fruit. And so, Lord, we honor you, we bless you. We thank you for fruitfulness, for development of character and manifesting for the agape love. And in particular, showing kindness and hospitality to those around us. Open our eyes that we behold the needs that are all around us and how you've empowered us to be the answer to those needs. And that through meeting those needs, your word will come to pass. That whatsoever we ask, our first name to us. We honor you, we bless you now and forever. And Lord, we pray for those who are not born again. We understand that they cannot manifest agape except they be born again. Because it is in the born again process that the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. And so, Father, I call forth salvation, deliverance from the power of darkness and from the power of sin over those who are yet to know you. 
that the power of your spirit is drawing them now to come in into a saving knowledge of who you are. Thank you for salvation. We honor you, we bless you for a lot. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen.